Happier Days is a podcast all about adding more happiness into your days and ultimately your life. The content in each of these episodes is a combination of my own stories or interviews with others with the purpose of providing a range of tips, ideas and contemplations on how to incorporate more happiness into your days and most importantly, to live a life worth loving. Join me for this week's episode starting right now. Hello and welcome to the Happier Days podcast. I'm your host, Narelle Crozier. In today's episode, I'm going to share with you the final leg of our road trip from South Australia back to Western Australia. In June, my partner, his sister, and I started a dog sledding trip across Australia, racing in four states. In episode one, I spoke about our drive over to northern New South Wales for the ASA Nationals. In episode two, I talked about our trip to Victoria to compete at a race there. And in the last episode, I spoke about our week in Ballarat and attending the Wild Dog Derby in South Australia. As I've mentioned, in today's episode, I'm going to review the last few days of our trip and some of the things that should I do this trip again, what I would do differently. And it may help some of you who are listening in the dog sledding community if you're coming over to WA next year for the national race or if you're someone who is thinking about doing a road trip with your dogs. All right, let's get into it. After the awards presentation at Wild Dog, we packed up the car and were ready to head off and begin our trip home. The original plan was to do a stupid amount of driving that night so that we were well on our way home, as both Adam and Jess were due back at work on the Wednesday. However, we managed only a few hours before we decided that we would indeed stop for the night. We stopped at Port Augusta and stayed at a motel, uh, Motel Poinciera. Hope I said that right. While the motel itself was great, it was the locals who made it a little bit interesting. I happened to have a strange incident or encounter with a group of teenagers who appeared to be scoping out vehicles within the motel car park and were definitely keen on the scooters and bikes that were on the back of our car. Now, the encounter was all very strange and I immediately told Adam and Jess and we took the bikes and scooters off the rack and put them into the motel room for safekeeping. Once the dogs were toileted, fed and settled, we had showers and began to feel more human after our wet and wild adventure at the race. We headed across the road to the pub for dinner. The pub was very busy, but thankfully we were able to be seated in their dining room My dinner was amazing and would have been the best meal I had outside of Cousin Daniel's cooking. We had a great chat with staff and I felt myself really starting to relax now that all the sledding had been done. The plan was to leave early in the morning and do a big day of driving, stopping somewhere on the Nullarbor or before, getting home sometime on Tuesday. We got to Kimber in the dark, so it was only another quick photo to document we were halfway across Australia. We stopped at the Dinosaur Ant again to take a photo as we had done five or so years prior. I think the ant had been relocated from its previous spot and the surrounding area provided more of a touristy look-see, I guess. And it had the cutest little public toilet that I've ever come across. Now, we arrived at the Nullarbor Roadhouse in the early afternoon. I think, I can't remember the time exactly, but what I do remember was how warm it was and how desperately I wanted to get out of the thermals I was wearing, as it still had been cold in South Australia when we left. We walked to the dogs, chatted with other travellers who were keen to know all about the dogs and the bikes and the scooters. 
we also managed to get a photo of the dogs at the old station garage. It was here, at this Nullarbor Roadhouse stop, that Adam received the phone call regarding his x-ray. On the second last day of our trip, it was confirmed that he did indeed have a rib fracture. Well, it was too late now. He'd already run all the races he'd planned to do, but at least we had an answer to his pain. Soon after the phone call, we were back on the road and I saw my first wild dingo. Now, once upon a time, I had a dingo as a pet, which is an interesting story in itself, but this was the first time I had seen one while driving and was surprised to see it so close to the road. We took another quick stop at the South Australia and Western Australia border for quarantine checks and the little blue husky toy that you may have seen in my videos I've posted wanted a photo as well at the border. Now this little fluffy friend was given to me by one of my students, Charlotte, before I left on my long service leave and I knew that I would have to take it along with me on our road trip as a little bit of fun and tribute to her. So I did my best to include it in the photos and video along the way. And I've continued to do that through our races here in Western Australia. And I've been sharing that footage on my YouTube channel for the kids to see what I've been up to. I had a strange feeling of being home when we crossed the border and I felt more relaxed heading west, watching the sun move along to eventually be something that we were driving toward and not away from. While we were traveling, I had a thought that given that we'd only had about four and a half hours sleep at the motel in Port Augusta, I was reluctant to stay somewhere again for only four and a half hours sleep. I suggested that we drive through the night and perhaps stop on the side of the road. In hindsight, this was not a good idea. We took turns driving and as the day turned into night, we made a decision about where we would stop to refuel and get some dinner. At the time of that refuel and dinner, I was driving and unfortunately either missed the turn for where we were to stop or misread where we were to stop. I'm not really sure what happened there. Maybe it was a lack of sleep and being tired. However, we missed the stop and had to pull over further along to refuel. Now being the Nullarbor, things close relatively early and this fuel station had closed and there was no food available. We managed to fill the car using the jerry can of fuel we had. However, we did not have enough fuel to get us the kilometers that we needed to go. So it was a very slow and long drive to get to the next fuel station safely. Jess did a great job driving at about 80 kilometers an hour and Adam and I basically slept the entire time she drove. We arrived at Norseman with plenty of fuel, but it was midnight. The BP service station was open, but the guy was doing his fuel checks, so we needed to wait before we could refuel. In the meantime, we checked out what was available to eat because, as I had said, everything on the Nullarbor was shut and we did not get any food and were not able to eat dinner that night. So at midnight, we were all starving and, I'm going to be honest, we were all a little bit cranky and fed up. There weren't many food options available at the BP, Jess and I had sandwiches, but these were not to Adam's liking. So he ended up having some noodles, which he bought from the service station and used the hot water facilities available to truckies and had that for dinner, so to speak. Needless to say, this was not an ideal dinner for any of us, nor did it satisfy us. It was probably about 2am before we headed back out on the road. I started driving and it was probably an hour or two before Adam took over from me because I really could not manage it. 
he probably got in another hour's worth of driving before he also needed for us to pull over. It was quite difficult finding a place where we could pull over safely, but we found a small parking area and pulled in. There was a truck there as well, so we pulled up behind it and further inland and amazingly promptly fell asleep. At about 6am, I woke up absolutely freezing and I just had this thought that we just need to get home. Jess and I saw to the dogs while Adam continued sleeping. Our mission then was to get to the BP service station at Southern Cross to let the dogs stretch their legs and for us to get breakfast as we were well and truly in need of food. From Southern Cross, we drove non-stop home. We dropped Jess and her dogs to her place and continued to our place. Thankfully, Jess is only 15 minutes from ours, so it was only a short trip. We arrived home at about 2pm on Tuesday the 11th of July, 23 days after we set off on our trip. It was great to be back home. The dogs relished being in the backyard and on the couch again, and Skylar promptly began eating better. With Adam and Jess back to work the next day, my job was to sort through the trailer, plus do all the washing of dog blankets and gear, and also do Adam and my washing. That process took a few days. I was happy to be back in my bed at night and enjoyed my hot home showers. I did not want to get back in the car for a while, so I didn't go anywhere for about a week. I had many naps over the next few weeks, actually, which surprised me. It really took me a while to recover, I guess you could say, from the trip. The dogs had dropped a little bit of weight, but back in their normal routines, that soon sorted itself out. We still had embers and the plan was for her to stay with us until the next race in WA so that I could run Skylar and her together one last time and we could drop her home on the way back. However, embers came into season and with an entire male at home and for how out of sorts Colt had been when Skylar came into season, I was not going to deal with that again. Plus, I didn't want to take any chances. So embers went home a week later. We certainly felt her absence and Skylar has not run the same at training or at races being on her own. So that is something we need to work on. Reflecting on the trip, the highlights were the beautiful sunrises, especially the ones that had fog in them as well. The landscapes, the scenery, the towns and the architecture. I loved all of that. Another highlight was the new, different, challenging, fun, wet and wild tracks we enjoyed over the course of our trip. It really was great to experience tracks that other people had been running for years and getting to enjoy that with them. Another highlight was catching up with and meeting more of the dog sledding community and hearing their stories, making new friends across the Australian sledding community and just really learning from a whole range of people. I love listening to everyone's stories and learning from them and trying to adapt what they're saying to possibly things that we could do. Another highlight had to be all the culinary delights we got to enjoy while we were away. Something that I really value now is pet-friendly accommodation. So that was certainly a highlight for me. We were super grateful to those who allowed us to stay with dogs. You know, traveling and road trips have changed in recent years and it's great to see that more places are becoming pet-friendly and without the pet bonds, which some places in Western Australia charge. So thanks to all the places that we stayed at that allowed dogs and, you know, barely batted an eyelid about how many dogs we had or didn't even ask because 
it was okay to be traveling with pets. And probably the final highlight for me was how well the dogs traveled and then performed, especially as they'd lost conditioning during the trip. They did so well, I could not have been more proud of them. The not so good things or the low lights were trailer and bike issues and before we had even arrived at the first race. Dealing with issues on the Nullarbor is not fun. And also trying to locate services that may be able to assist us along the way with poor phone reception in spots also proves to be quite challenging. Another low light was Adam fracturing a rib and doing it in the first heat of the first race. As I mentioned in a previous episode, Adam is not someone who stacks it, ever. He does things on that scooter that most people wouldn't dare to do and he's never had an issue. So for him to come off and then subsequently fracture a rib, it wasn't ideal and you know I felt obviously even worse giving him a hard time as I came across the finish line that day. It was a bit of a challenge and he was definitely sore over the course of the trip and also he is still sore and it is now almost September. Now the next low light had to go in there. It is the excessively long stints we had in the car. Before we left, I knew that this would happen. However, I wasn't prepared for how my body would feel. All my muscles tightened and I was so stiff and sore all over the entire time. Now, something I really do hate, so this is definitely going into the low light, is camping in the rain. The Wild Dog Derby was very wet with some wild weather conditions, and this is never fun. It also reduces the opportunity of being with others because everyone is in their own caravans, their cars or tents, trying to stay dry, safe and warm. Plus, when all the camping stuff is wet, it really is a pain when it comes time to pack up. Now, given what we do, dog sledding, being a winter sport, it is expected that I will at some point camp in the rain, but no, I do not like it. And the last low light for me was we just did not have enough time to be tourists. I had really wanted to stop and explore more, including staying at places for more than a few hours or a short overnight stay. Now, with those low lights in mind, if I was to do this kind of road trip again, where the time frame was an extended time like our trip and we were taking dogs, there are two main things that I would do differently because of the lessons that I've learned so that we can have happier road trips. The first one is take a caravan. To me, it felt like there were more options for those with caravans to stop and sleep each night. Friends who did the similar trip or the same trip and who had caravans drove until about 3 p.m. each day, pulled into those caravan stops for the night or off the road, the dogs got a good walk, the night was relaxed and a good amount of sleep was had. I think that alone would have been the game changer for us. I did notice this the last time I did a road trip when I was on long service leave. I travelled up to Exmouth in Western Australia with my huskies, Asher and Maya, and had I had a caravan, I would have been able to stop for longer and really enjoy everything that the Western Australian coastline had to offer. My tenting setup back then was much smaller than it is now, but many of those overnight roadside camp stops do not allow tents. And even racing this season, I've really wanted a caravan. The time to set up and pack down is way less than tenting with all the gazebos. And it would be great not to be the last people to leave a race site all the time. 
The second thing I would do differently next time is to really be tourists and really take our time getting to places. Yes, it is hard when races are a week apart, but I felt like it was all like a flying visit, so to speak. And I really would have liked to have seen more, spent more days in places like Beechworth, for example. Also, I think the dogs would have appreciated that slower pace too. People ask about this trip and refer to it as a holiday. I can tell you right now, it wasn't a holiday. And I wish that it had more of that holiday feel and vibe to it. Now, I have some final comments about dog sledding. In terms of the dog sledding itself, I think it's important to get out of your state and attend races held by other clubs and in other states. I feel that we can get close-minded and territorial even about our, and I say that with quotation marks, our races. We all think we have the best tracks or our clubs put on the best races. And nobody's wrong, but I think for the sport to grow and get better, people need to travel more, experience other tracks, experience running their teams against different dogs and people, look at how RGOs or clubs behave and run their events so that we can learn, alter and do better for all mushers and dog sledding in Australia as a whole. I have learned so much from other mushers through the conversations around the campfire, from watching how they feed, toilet and run their dogs, the tracks that we've run on, the passing, the tangles, what I can do on my bike and scooter in varying conditions. All of this I could not have learned staying in my state and running the same tracks, running the same classes against the same people and dogs at the same events year in, year out. Now, while traveling like this is not cheap, I think everyone should do it at least once. The last time I traveled was to the Nationals in South Australia in 2018, I think. Forgive me if I got the date wrong. And at that one race, I learned so much. So a trip like we did magnifies that learning and experience. This is a sport that I plan to do for a while. So getting out there every few years to see how things have changed, developed, evolved, and grown benefits my learning and experience in the sport. In terms of dogs, once upon a time, the Huskies and Malamutes were everywhere. Then the Alaskan Huskies came along and they were the dogs to beat. And over the past few years, it's the Eurohounds taking top honours. And for the first time this year, I heard about Graysters. Dog sledding really is a sport for a variety of dog breeds and it's been great to see the different types of dogs out there in the different states who do this sport and enjoy it just like the traditional breeds. In terms of clubs, each one did things the same and differently. I found the way some things were done interesting. Not sure I would endorse that at the club I'm at, but that's what makes the sport interesting. I want to run my dogs because they love the sport. If I find something too out of line with my thoughts on sledding, I can choose to race or not. And I can make that choice at any point leading up to a race or over the course of a weekend. Ultimately, clubs can run their events as they please, obviously within the guidelines and rules of the sport. But that too is what makes things interesting and keeps us on our toes and ever evolving and being able to run your dogs under any condition shows the skill of both the dogs, the teams and the mushers or the things that we need to develop and work on. 
I don't think you can ever say you know it all in this sport because there are so many factors that come into play. And as tracks change, dogs change, teams change, equipment evolves, mushers come and go, there are so many things to learn, which is why I absolutely love this sport. Overall though, our sledding road trip, good, bad and ugly, will be one of the highlights of this year for me. People ask, would you do it again? And my answer is yes, but with a caravan and I'd allow more time. I would also like to do this road trip without dogs so that we can experience even more and have access to more areas and enjoy all this great country of ours has to offer. On the Happier Days Facebook page, I will share a list or links of the places we visited and stayed at. So should you be in that area, you too can explore them. I want to send a shout out to Annie Jackson in Victoria, Martina Heller here in WA and Lyndon Manny, who was also part of Team WA, who've reached out to say that they've been enjoying these episodes of the podcast. I really appreciate your feedback. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps up my review of our sledding road trip. I have really enjoyed recounting our journey and I've been so pleased to hear that so many of you have enjoyed listening. I have no doubt there will be many episodes in the future about dog sledding as it is a big part of our lives year in, year out. I really hope to chat with the WA Sled Dog Club in the lead up to nationals next year so that we can paint a really clear picture for those of you who are traveling over to race. On the weekend, the race location was revealed. It will be at a working farm in Muckenbooden with custom made tracks, which I am excited to hear about. And I know Justin Sprigg and the entire Sprigg family have already been working tirelessly to ensure that this national event is one like you've never experienced before. We can't wait. Now for all the dog owners out there, go hug your dogs. They are such a blessing. Thank you everyone for listening to this series of episodes. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please share the episodes or share the podcast with those who might be interested. Don't forget to check out the Happier Day social pages for videos and photos of the trip and content in general. Take care, everyone. And until next time, here's to happier days.